Money FM 89.3, best of weekends. International News Review. Our international news review right now. Steve Oaken is joining us. Good morning, Steve. Good morning, Glenn. Good morning, Neil. All right. Hey, Steve. Let's talk. A lot, lot going on this week. Let's start with. Uh, let's start with Disney. It's been all over the media. It's been all over discussions. Fourteen countries around the world have banned the new uh, Disney movie Lightyear. Singapore is requiring an NC-16 label and some editing uh, on that. Uh, give us the perspective from the, the corporate advisor in you at McClarty Associates. Uh, how does this look? How does this play with corporations? Well, let, let's, let's take the, the Singapore uh, view first and, and what's occurred here, right? There's something in the United States called the Streisand effect. Mm. And the Streisand effect occurred because there was a photo taken of the California coast in the early 2000s to show coastal erosion. Mm. And Barbara Streisand's home in Malibu was one of those uh, homes in the photo. Um, before Barbara Streisand took a lawsuit to take that photo down, it had been downloaded four times. After Barbara Streisand files the lawsuit, in one month it gets taken down. It, it gets viewed four hundred and twenty thousand times. <laughs> That's the Streisand effect. Yeah. It's when right, when you mention something, when you just yeah. you you attempt to suppress something, right? Something uh, you attempt to suppress something that's in the public domain, and it's going to backfire Correct. on you. That's exactly what's happening here. I mean, you had a you, you have a movie Lightyear that we would never have talked about on this show. It made global headlines that Singapore puts uh, a, a, a rating where children under sixteen cannot go because there is a same-sex marriage couple in in the cartoon. And so the question for Singapore is, was this really the smart move to have? Because this is prototypical of the Streisand effect. Yes. And, and that's the question. Why did they think it was in their interest to do this? The government's very clear, though, on, on broadcasting policy, on movie policy, when it comes to same-sex or homosexual scenes. There's a kiss in there as well. Uh, and, and it is something that's been consistent over the decades in Singapore. It is something that the government has uh, has come out and said, this is what we believe and this is what we are going to uphold. Now, there were 13 other countries that, that did 14, the same 14. thing. 14 countries in total, right, that, yeah. that banned the movie. Uh, uh, Singapore didn't ban it but put the NC-16 on it. So, you know, why at this point in the year – 2022, why do other countries have the right to say you are wrong for saying you can't uphold certain values that you have? Any country has the right to do whatever that country wants to do. That's, that's not the question. The question for Singapore is do you want to be in the company of those 14 countries when it comes to cultural issues? Do you want to be hmm. aligned with Saudi Arabia and the UAE and Egypt and Indonesia and Malaysia when it comes to cultural issues? Or do you want to be aligned with the other 100-plus countries that, that have not put any rating on this? And, and that's the question, really, you know, for, for the Singapore government. Um, you could do whatever you want as, as, a, as a sovereign nation, of course, and, and when it comes to, to, to a cultural issue. But is this the smart move for Singapore to have made? But I, I find that fascinating, Steve, genuinely, because I feel we're at a real inflection point here, culturally, socially, politically, and in your case, economically with the corporations. Where do you draw that line? Saudi Arabia, you mentioned there. Saudi Arabia just bought Newcastle United, a Premier League football club. Does that mean Newcastle United fans stop following Newcastle? 
golf. There's a golf tour that's got Saudi backing. Does that mean we have to now boycott Phil Mickelson and all of the other golfers that took part in that tournament? The point is, Singaporean businesses, maybe yourself, maybe yourself, all do business with Middle East. Singapore does lots of business with the Middle East, Saudi Arabia being one of them. The point is, where do you draw that line? If, you, if you've got your McClarty hat on, do you say go here but don't go there? Do you make money or do you not make money? Look, Disney made a very clear choice because Singapore gave them the option. Singapore said you could have two versions of the movie here. You could have the original version, which is an NC-16, and you can edit out the scene. Which has been common for years. Right. They've often done that. And, they've yeah. done, and, and you can edit out the scene where the, where the, the two you know, moms you know, do a like, kiss on the cheek. I mean, th- this is not it's just an affectionate kiss. And you can edit that out and get an, another version. And, and get a, a lower rating. And, Di- and look, the 100% what Disney was going to do, Disney was going to say, we are never going to do that. If we were to do that for Singapore, this would hit us so hard economically and culturally in the United States with our own employees. There was zero chance that, that Disney was going to give them the offer that Singapore made. Mm. And so as a corporation, Singapore, uh, Disney made a very clear choice. We are not editing this out for the Singapore audience, and we're not going to edit it out for China, and we're not going to edit it out for anybody. And that was clearly in Disney's interest. I mean, Singapore is a market for this film is is meaningless. Yeah, correct. On a global. So you're race. saying it is yeah. a financial decision in some ways. It is a financial decision that they're, they're offsetting their potential overseas box office losses in smaller country against the much bigger box office domestic money that they could potentially lose if there's a boycott. It's a financial issue, but it's also a human capital issue. What are your employees going to say uh, if you were to do this two two versions in Singapore? And so it wasn't just economic. It was what do we want to be seen as our employees? What do we want to be seen as our customers? And then there's, of course, a financial impact to it as well. And, And the question is, is 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 this worth it for for Singapore? Should they have known? They should have known all of this was going to play out the way it did because Disney's choice was was obvious as to what they were going to do if given the, when given the choice by Singapore. So is it in Singapore's interest to have done this? This is just another example of what of what goes into what Singapore is going to be known for. It's going to be known for having a, a great and efficient government. It's going to be known for having um, a great and no, efficient, right? Not efficient, great, inefficient, great, right? No, it's a great and efficient government. It's going to be known for having, you know, a rule of law. It's going to be known for being a great place to do business. It's going to be known for great schools and a great education system. But then it's also going to be this is going to be part of that story now. Um, And is is this worth what? The the uh, the Singapore government decided, you know, when when the IMDA said that we don't want to have a movie where there is overt homosexual depictions in it. And the question is, is this one of those? But they yeah, of course. And they clearly decided that it was. Was it not a a good compromise on the part of the Singapore government to say you can have the movie, just take out two scenes or whatever that that we don't like. And just to add to that, because I've written articles about this before, the famous example was Love Actually. Love Actually, among many other movies, by the way, Mm. often release two versions. This is not a new phenomenon. It's been going on for decades. So uh, Love Actually, there was an Asian version that cut out all the subplot involving uh, uh, nudity. And then there was the regular version that the West saw. So it's not a new thing, as you know, um, to send out two versions. Many movie studios have done this for decades. 
And that's the thing. They've done it for decades. You can't do this in 2022 if you're Disney. Maybe you could have done this in 1992, mm-hmm. but you can't do this today if you're Disney. There's no question that, that Disney said, look, this is, you know, having, having same-sex couples in, 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 in the United States is normal. And, and, of course, it should be in the movies because it's part of our normal society in the United States. Right. right? So now, in you know, Singapore, when Doctor Strange came out, I think it was this year. You're right, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse. Yep. Right. There was a, a a character whose parents were both female, but because it was implied and it wasn't, there wasn't an affectionate kiss between the two parents. That movie only got a PG-13 in Singapore. It was the kiss in this movie that put, that and maybe put it because it was a cartoon mm. that tipped it from a PG-13 to an NC-16. But this was not a compromise that Disney was ever going to take in 2022. Which is ironic because I know friends that have seen it already and they said the kiss is so brief they didn't actually see it. It oh. was in the background and it was all over in a second and it's caused all it's, of this. Yeah, it's been, a, it's been an interesting week on that and lots of discussion around that. Steve, uh, just a, a broader point on that when companies in the international environment run up against either cultural or some of these other, let's say, less hard business dictates. What's the strategy for them? How do they decide what they're going to do? Because, you know, there's a lot of these things happening around the world, not just around this particular topic. Well, yeah, the bigger issue is China, right? And then there are very few you know, Western movies and sort of Hollywood movies that get shown in China. You know what the rules are going to be when it comes to getting shown in China. And the question is, are you going to uh, not offend China in in any way uh, as you do the movie? And or are you going to take a chance and show Chinese gangsters? Could you show, you know, uh, could you show refer to Taiwan uh, as as a country to have somebody in the movie support Taiwanese independence? You're going to get from China if you do that. That is certainly something that the Hollywood executives are thinking about because that does hit the bottom line. I cannot imagine that there's any Hollywood executive saying, we need to make sure that this film can be shown in Singapore because it doesn't hit the bottom line. So, of course, it's just because of the relatively small size of the market. It's it's minuscule. China is the world's biggest box office market. And and, and Singapore doesn't come up. And when you're projecting what the what the you know, what gross you're going to make from a movie, how many tickets you're going to sell, you're not going, well, what is this going to do in Singapore? How many how many theaters is it going to open in? How you know, where's what else is it competing against? It's irrelevant. But, But to your point, Disney really does seem to have drawn a line in the sand. The recent Marvel movies haven't even been released in China or Russia for obvious reasons so they're taking anything from a 30 million 30 million to 100 million dollar hit in China but Marvel Disney seem to be fine we'll we'll take it Um, and and Disney say when you're you know when you know Lightyear could gross you know a billion dollars and if you're talking a 3% hit in China as you mean you know 30 million dollars I mean is that really going to matter to you on a billion when you want to be able to say this is what we stand for uh, as a company these this is what our morals and ethics are and and that is gets back into it so it's not just purely a financial decision and this is where we have all our discussions on ESG it's a mix of both risk and opportunity from a business perspective but it's also where your values come in right. as well and that 
increasingly has an impact on your bottom line. It didn't decades ago, but it does today. I find it absolutely fascinating. So someone comes to you, Steve McClarty, uh, Western company, and they want to invest in Saudi Arabia. What do you say? Oh, I, then it, it becomes a very, uh, a, a very company by company specific approach. Thomas Friedman just wrote a great article in, in, you know, in his column in the New York Times where he said, look, Saudi Arabia is on the one hand making progress. It's making progress, certainly when it comes to women it's making, uh, and, 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 and women rights. It's making progress when it comes to education. But then also it's uh, you know, a, a regime that murdered a Washington Post uh, reporter. Um, and so how – and this gets to that age-old question. Is engagement better yeah. um, or is just completely shutting somebody off better? And that's where you really have to balance things. And mm. so the golfers mm. have decided that they're going to leave the PGA Tour to go to a Saudi-sponsored tour, tour. Yeah. because they'll make – a couple hundred million dollars, I know, I know. and they've made a financial decision that this is more important to me. And so it, there is no right or wrong, which is what makes these decisions so difficult. Steve, lastly, uh, Uyghur Forced Labor Protection Act is going into effect in the U.S. Uh, how broad is this and what impact do you think it will actually have? Well, I'd say, uh, again, where we talk about values um, and, and governments and businesses. So the United States has said that there is a rebuttable presumption that all goods produced in, in China, Xinjiang, uh, auto, you know, aut autonomous region, um, are made with forced labor. Wow. That there is a genocide occurring, that we are, there are a million Uyghurs in jail or in, in forced detention, um, and, and that they're being used as, as forced labor. And therefore, any product that comes out of Xinjiang is going to presume to be uh, made with forced labor and therefore banned from the U.S. And this means that the company, if they are going to ship something that is made in Xinjiang to the United States, needs to overcome that rebuttable presumption and mm. show there was no forced labor. How can you possibly do that? Mm. You can't go into Xinjiang. You can't go and look at the factories and say this one doesn't have forced labor. You can't talk to the workers there. So it's basically impossible uh, for the companies to be able to show they're not using forced labor. So what is it that you do if you're a company? Do you say we can't take any product out of Xinjiang? Well, that's yeah. a lot of cotton yeah. and it's certainly a lot of polysilicone which goes into mm. the solar panels. Mm. And so how do you continue your supply chain going forward? How do you do this without having forced labor in your supply chain? And then how do you comply with Chinese law, which says you're violating Chinese law if you're complying with U.S. law? I mean, briefly, Steve, Disney, this example, the Biden administration does seem to be making policy along broadly moral and ethical lines, which is obviously no bad thing. I'm just curious, how does it play with the broader American public? As we always talk about bread and butter issues, does this stuff resonate or do they just want cheap products in the Walmart, in the supermarket, whatever? Well, I mean, that's the, the that that shift is occurring, and it's certainly occurring when it comes to China, right? I mean, you know, Senator Rubio, who's one of the authors of this legislation, a senator from from Florida, Republican, yeah. he said there is no excuse for being complicit in the Chinese Communist Party's genocide. Hmm. So we don't want you doing any of this. And there are Democrats who who, who sound very similar to to Senator Rubio as well. So. But again, you, if you're a U.S. company, you don't want forced labor. I mean, I think if you're any company, you don't want forced labor in your supply yeah. chain. But how can you know? And so what Customs is doing, right? So if you take a shirt, what you will do is Customs will then 
pull the cotton out of that shirt, and then they will say, oh, we do DNA on this cotton, and we can see the soil comes from Xinjiang. Whoa. Therefore, yep. you, have, wow. you, you have forced yeah. labor. Companies can't afford DNA testing of the, of the, <laughs> of the cotton. So sure. it's a real issue for U.S. companies oh to comply God. with this, even though they want to. All right, Steve Oaken, thank you so much for being with us. So we'll see you in a few weeks' time when we're back. Have a great holiday, guys. Thanks, Steve. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.